Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome to the show. I am your host for the first segment, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Rob Black and I are going to be together Thursday evening. That's in two days. Foster City Retirement Income Strategies. I'm going to talk about at that event... Uh, it's 6.30 p.m., by the way, Foster City. You can find out more at robblack.com or robblackshow.com, chatburton.com, lots of different places, newfocusfinancial.com. If you have not been to an event before, you can sign up with the code RADIO25. But I'm going to go over specifics on how we create income in retirement. Now, the best thing you can do when you're investing is average into your portfolio every two weeks with your paycheck. 70% of the time, the market's going up, so you're buying at highs. But 30% of the time, the market's going down and you're getting good prices. That's called averaging, dollar cost averaging. It's kind of a silly name, but that's a great way to build wealth, but an awful way to take income in retirement because of market timing. Market timing in the sense that people can know when to go all in and all out, it's a joke. It doesn't happen over consistently over a long period of time. Even Ray Dalio, the owner of the biggest hedge fund company out there, is basically saying the same thing. Average investor, timing the market is stupid. But for the average retiree, you do need to time the market, not the sense of going all in and all out, but making sure that you can get through market corrections. Because when you're pulling money out of your portfolio, mistakes are only made when you sell when you have to. When you sell when you have to because of fear, or when you sell when you have to because you have to put food on your table. So you have to be able to continue to hold your companies, your good companies, through market corrections, continue to earn those dividends, which you can live off of and take. But you have to have a certain amount of cash on the sidelines. You have to peel profits when the profits come on a quarterly basis to replenish your cash and have a strategy. And that strategy includes taxes now. We have this huge tax cut. You have to take advantage of it. I don't believe it's going to last through 2026. Everything on the personal level when it comes to these tax cuts expire in 2026. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, it wasn't a tax cut for me. I pay state and local taxes at a really high level. So, those have all gone away almost a $10,000 limit. That's not even what I pay in my property taxes, you might be saying. You think this wasn't a tax cut for you? Well, guess what? Look at the second page of 1040. You probably paid AMT the last several years, which means you've been losing those anyways. So, it could still be a tax cut or at least a wash for you. But in retirement, the 15% bracket became the 12. Your standard deduction was doubled. There's a lot of opportunities to do Roth conversions from the date of retirement to age 69. We'll talk a lot about those issues. Now, why would these tax cuts expire? Well, look, when this package came out, it was supposed to be a tax simplification plan, a corporate tax cut and simplification or you could do your taxes on a postcard. That's not what it ended up. I'll take it. I'll take a tax cut. Thank you very much. Um, but we didn't really need a tax cut. The economy was already firing on all cylinders. Global economy is firing on all cylinders. 
And we need a simplification so that uncertainty can be pulled away and businesses could continue to prosper and hopefully increase wages. Not just a one-time bonus, but increased wages. But if you look at the math, especially when it comes to Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, unless this economy grows at 4% plus, we're going to have debt issues. And that's not okay. we got to deal with those debt issues. And if we get a change in administration in a few years and we still have major debt issues... And that those debt issues start to become a drag on the economy and maybe even cause another recession, then that's a, neat, a simple time for a change in administration and a change in tax policy. Now, can we get to that? Well, look, a couple of really positive things have happened in the last few days. First of all, waking up to these, or actually going to bed to these headlines that North Korea and South Korea are talking. They've agreed to a summit in April. Sounds like they're open to denuking North Korea and talking to the U.S. because the U.S. says they're not going to talk until they're, they're they're they start working on that. Now, my first instinct as somebody that's subject to U.S. media <laughs> is okay. What is North Korea planning? You just it's really hard to trust anything. But maybe the tougher trade issues, the embargoes and things like that, maybe they're finally doing their job. Um, maybe. Kim Jong-un is having a midlife crisis and, you know, well, I'm going to shift gears and do something different now. That'd be great because if you take North Korea out of the picture and we get a better trade deal in the U.S., which creates jobs and finally some a little bit of wage inflation here, that's a good thing. Now, tariffs. If you go to New Focus Financial Group Facebook page, if you don't know where that is, just go to chadburton.com. You can click on the Facebook link. But New Focus Facebook page, I... Uh, posted a link to the Morningstar video that talked about the tariffs. And a lot of people just really got really mad at Trump for this tariff issue. But when you look at some of the reasoning behind us, and he kind of has this really tough to deal with way of antagonizing everybody and, you know, throwing stuff out there to this chaotic form of negotiation that we're seeing where you can, say one thing and then tweet something totally different. So you don't know where anything is really at. You just think, oh my gosh, this is chaotic. But you have to look at the fact that NAFTA and some of these other agreements were done years and years ago. And it hasn't necessarily been great for the U.S. middle class worker. Now, has it made goods cheaper? Absolutely. You cannot deny that. There's no inflation when it comes to things like electronics. There's not. But things are changing. We now have Amazon. We have other things that help keep inflation lower. And we have to do something about the middle class and the ability for people to make more money to pay for healthcare costs and other things like that. So Morningstar was basically going through these issues. Um, how about the aircraft industry? Well, new generation aircraft, still 20% aluminum, but that's not as much as they used to be. That's only 2 to 3% of the cost. So in terms of cost, if aluminum goes up from these tariffs... Not that big of a deal. The biggest issue is China retaliating because that's 20 to 25% of Boeing sales, 10% of profits. That's an issue for aircrafts. Home builders, very little steel and aluminum go into that area. Home builders really are more tied towards interest rates and demographics. And millennials are starting to want to buy houses and move out of their parents' homes. Where it's an issue is HVAC. So you look at companies like Johnson Controls, 2% of cost of goods sold there. So you got to do, you, you kind of, Home builders, is, in general, isn't going to be a big issue. 
Um, they talk about the auto industry and Richard Hilgert, uh, an analyst there, talking about steel and aluminum having really minimal impact on light vehicles, probably a 1% increase in the average transaction cost of a vehicle to consumers. I find that hard to believe. There's a lot of steel and aluminum in vehicles, especially though if you go into the SUV side where you look at you know, aluminum for trucks like the F-150 and other things like that. So that's probably where some cost increases are, are coming into play. So if you plan on buying an F-150 in the next you know, few months, you might want to get on that while rates are low and well before we have an increase in these costs. So I think aluminum and steel, you do have problems, though. You've had China dumping steel into the U.S. and garbage steel in many cases that ruined bridges and things like that. So there's been an issue. We need a better deal with Canada. I get it. Now, is it tough to deal with the tweets and some of the chaos that surrounds all of this? Yes. But you've got now a president who doesn't care what the Speaker of the House thinks. He doesn't care what you think. He's in competition now, and he wants to win. And a better trade deal could be a win for the United States if we can get through this without kind of a global trade war. So some positive things out there for sure. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. You can go to robblack.com or chadburton.com to sign up for the event on Thursday evening. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burns, Certified Financial Planner. Standing in for Rob for another segment here. Rob will be back here shortly. Rob and I will be together this Thursday evening in Foster City at the Crown Plaza um, retirement income strategy. So if you're 10 years from retirement, you think you are, you're trying to calculate how much does retirement cost? What do I do with my portfolio? What are my tax issues? What are some of the things that I'm forgetting about? Like Medicare part B costs, taxes, how those work, Roth IRAs, where do I pull money from first? We talk all about that. It'll be the best retirement event you go to for sure. And if you have not been to an event, you want to get in for free, it's radio 25 to get in for free. So look, I mean, talking about this, we've got, let, let's say this, this tariffs on aluminum and steel end up resulting in better trade deals with Mexico and Canada, Mexico, because of the peso and the lower wages and the, basically the ability to pollute there and not here. A lot of jobs have gone there to Mexico, for example. And a lot of jobs have left. I mean, the Bay Area, it's hard to look all the way from, you know, basically San Francisco up to Portland, Oregon, Vancouver, Washington area, where we are, you know, headquarters, essentially more of our employees are in Vancouver, Washington. Um, it, it's hard to see that effect because it's kind of the Silicon Valley. It's the Silicon Forest. So you've seen job growth. You've seen people flooding in to work. You've seen real estate prices go up. But in areas where it's been heavy on manufacturing, you've seen the total opposite of that, and you don't see it in your everyday lives. But it's happened. And that, it's it's an issue, because those people aren't able to save for retirement. They're not able to put money into an HSA account to help keep their health care costs down. They're not even able to afford health insurance. So that, that does have to be solved. And I tell you what, look, if we get kind of North Korea out of the way, I guess Iran would be the other big issue to deal with. There's always one of those issues to deal with, though, from the Middle East to North Korea. 
Um, if we get that out of the way, though, and we get this, this tariffs that turn into better trade deals for the United States, and then we get some infrastructure planning, we could grow the economy at 3.5%, and then if there's a focus in Congress where people start to break from party lines, where you get situations where Trump doesn't care about what Paul Ryan thinks because he's doing what he promised, then... And you may say, I've, I've had emails that stop bashing Trump. You know, I'm, I bash things that are not fiscally conservative. I really do. And right now, nobody's showing fiscal being fiscally conservative. But if, if you can get all of these things done where you can grow the economy and then start focusing on costs, which are the Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security, that's what we need. That's what could put us in the right direction and give us another big bull market run like we saw in the 80s and 90s. So it's possible. Stay positive. You got to have a positive attitude on life, and especially investing, because stocks will work out over time. 70% of the time, they're positive. 30% of the time, they're negative, and that's your buying opportunities. That is your buying opportunities. Now, healthcare is a big issue in this country. When you see homeless people, you can pretty much equate that to a healthcare issue, to a mental healthcare issue in most cases. And that's tough. And we have a Congress that's completely disconnected from the idea of how to solve this problem because their idea is to create accounts where money can, people can put money into it. Well, <laughs> the issue is most people don't have extra money after they pay their bills to put into things like HSA, but at least they're thinking about it. An HSA is a tax advantage account designed to be paired with a high deductible health insurance policy. So an HSA is like a super Roth IRA. You put money in, you get a tax deduction. And as long as you take the money out for healthcare costs, even though you can invest it in mutual funds, when you take it out for healthcare costs, it's totally tax-free. So you get a tax deduction going in and tax-free coming out. Um, But the idea is you get a high deductible plan. So you have a situation where the the first part of your a big portion of the first part of your healthcare costs every year you have to pay for it on your own typically out of that health savings account in order to qualify in 2018 your health insurance policy must have a deductible of at least 1350 per year if you're an individual or 2700 deductible for your family and that allow you to create an HSA account if you have an HSA qualified plan where you can put in 3450 in pre-tax for a single person or 6900 a year for family. So what Congress is doing, they introduced this bipartisan HSA Improvement Act designed to expand the types of services covered under health savings account without being subject to a deductible. So they want these high deductible plans to have better preventative care where instead of paying a whole bunch of money to go get just basic preventative care, it'll be covered. So it is a step in the right direction. What Congress is forgetting is that we need better jobs in this country so that people can make more money to have the ability to put money into an HSA plan in the first place. So it's a little bit putting the the horse before the cart here, but or carriage or whatever that stupid saying is, but at least they're talking about it because that would be the next step. If you get the infrastructure going, you get jobs created there, you get a better trade deal, you stop jobs from leaving the U.S. You've got Amazon to help keep inflation down now rather than you know moving all these factory jobs overseas where it costs less money to produce them. That was starting to stop anyways. I mean, you had so much corruption in places like China 
and, and issues dealing with that. A lot of, a lot of that outsourcing stopped. Remember when all the phone banks and service centers were over in India and that's that, well, it was about four or five years ago started to, people got so unhappy with that, that came back, you know, hopefully the same thing will happen with some of our manufacturing and technology will help keep inflation low versus sending jobs to places where wages are just much lower than the U S so a lot of positivity out there, you know, despite the chaos, despite the tweets, there's some things that are going in the right direction. If the administration could stay focused and eventually tackle where 55% plus the U S budget is going to, and that's entitlement programs, give people the ability to earn money instead of just handing out money. That's important. Fix healthcare. That's important. People are just afraid to deal with it right now because they're so afraid about getting reelected. If more of our elected officials were more interested in doing the right thing versus getting reelected, we'd have a, a little better time out there, I think. Uh, I was going to talk a little bit about Bitcoin and IRA, which there's no doubt if cryptocurrencies are here to stay. Um, recent article on CNBC about more and more companies. The transaction costs on Bitcoin have actually come down recently. Um, as Bitcoin finally corrected and it created more interest and more vent, more retailers to say, okay, maybe now after it corrected 60 plus percent, we'll start, you know, doing some transactions and transaction costs are starting to come down a little bit. Ethereum, Bitcoin gaining a little bit of traction. I don't like it in IRAs. The fees are way too high. Not a fan of it. Steer clear of it, in my opinion. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you want to find me, it's chadburton.com, newfocusfinancial.com, retirement planning, estate planning. It's all there. Or if you want to sign up for the event this Thursday evening with Rob Black and myself, 6.30 p.m., Foster City, Crown Plaza, Retirement Income Strategies. Check it out, chadburton.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. But joining me right here, right now, Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. Great source of information domestically and internationally on markets around the world. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey Rob, I'm doing fine. Thank you. So what do we make, what do we make of this this market now? It seems like we had a great January, meh, February, and now we're rolling into March. Yeah, March is March is kind of encapsulated. You know, January and February. You know, we had uh, kind of a inauspicious beginning, and then you know, a nice rebound, and um, you know, and I think that this this seesaw action is is something that you know market participants are going to have to get accustomed to to seeing this year uh, because, you know, we're <clears throat> kind of at a number of important inflection points that we've talked about before um, in terms of directionality, you know, where, in, where interest rates are headed specifically. Uh, I think that the market has come to the conclusion that the, you know, path of least resistance for interest rates is now going to be higher and not lower. Um, the question is just, you know, how how high interest rates go and how quickly they go. And, um, you know, there are a number of factors that can act as catalysts to get uh, the Treasury market worked up, um, you know, namely rising inflation uh, and as well as, you know, uh, festering concerns about the budget deficit and, 
market is kind of just hanging around here. We're up 2% year-to-date on the S&P 500. There's certainly nothing bad about that. Uh, it's just that it, it might not feel so great <laughs> because a, a market that just hasn't been volatile for years uh, has turned extremely volatile this year with some uh, pretty decent-sized intraday swings that a lot of people haven't been accustomed to seeing. It's interesting news because for a while there, the market was getting really upset about North Korea's leader and Donald Trump not getting along. And there's news today that North Korea and South Korea are going to have talks, and they want to talk to the U.S. No response in the market. A couple months ago, drama. Now, not so much drama. You can never really figure this out, what's going to move the market, can you? No, you can't. And and certainly with respect to, to North Korea, I would say that the, the market's reaction is 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 accurate because I think you always have to take things with a grain of salt when it comes to um, – diplomatic overtures out of North Korea. Um, You know, ideally, what they're talking about here, reunification and potential, you know, for denuclearization, uh, all sound really good, you know, and and it's a hopeful idea. uh, But, you know, I don't think this this market, um, you know, which has been... Um, I don't know if manipulate is the right word, but, you know, has been moved at times by some of these gestures in the past has kind of resolved itself to say, you know, we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. And, um, and I think that's led somewhat to the pretty ordinary reaction here to what sounds like an extraordinary headline. So speaking of other headlines that are out there at this point in time, and we'll see how North Korea does. Um, I'm with you. They've done this so many times, it's not worth jumping into. Uh, Target didn't have the the best uh, quarterly results, uh, getting hit a little bit by their paying employees a little bit more, but their revenue grew. Um, Target, Walmart, Amazon are the kind of like the big three in retail, and we pay attention to them because they tell us how the consumer is doing. Uh, did you see anything in the Target numbers today to give you thoughts? Well, you know the thing, Target. It, it's kind of a company specific situation because they, you know, were put in a position really where they they had to make the investments that they're making to stay competitive. You know, and they've shifted to wanting to compete. You know, as a low price leader, and so that naturally brings them into head to head competition with the likes of Walmart and Amazon. Um, you can see uh, it's evidence in the comparable sales growth at Target, as well as the increase in the average transaction there, that they they've had some success, really, with their investment activity. Um, the trade-off, though, is that it's uh, you know impacting profit margins here in the near term as they step up their investments to compete on price and brands and digital distribution. So uh, the, the actual first uh, fourth quarter number, uh, earnings per share number that Target uh, presented today was a little bit shy of analysts' expectations. But, you know, to be fair... It was in the upper end of a of an increased guidance range target provided in January, so I think you get a little bit of a sell the news response here to that headline. It wasn't really as bad as you know some people might be making it out to be. Uh, now the first quarter guidance I would argue is is somewhat on the conservative side in the face of what should be a pretty easy comparison, but it is reflective of the continued investments target is going to be making for long term profitable growth. And so, uh, for a stock that's had a really nice run, like Target has, it was up 15% year-to-date going into the report, and has had a really nice move over the last 52 weeks as it's gained some traction in its turnaround effort. Uh, it's just the type of guidance I think that you know leads to those uh, leads to some profit taking. 
main activity here. But uh, but to me, I think Target is, is positioning itself well here. Uh, but it's not going to be an easy road because you have those uh, those gorillas out there in the form of Amazon and Walmart. And Amazon. That's all I'm going to say is. If if they're not a great company at executing, they're a great company at executing press releases to scare uh, the competition. <laughs> that's, that's very true, well. you know. And I mean, obviously, they they've shown such great acumen with their operating efficiency that um, yeah, it doesn't take much to upset another industry whenever there's you know potential inroads by Amazon into it because you know it's going to be disruptive in in one sense or another, and particularly as it relates to uh, to profit margins. So what do you think, in, or what are you making of the tariffs and the trade wars and the um, kind of state where we are, where you're starting to hear you know, steel companies talk about steel tariffs, and it feels very 1980s to me. Yeah, you know, the market um, does not like protectionism, you know, um, and so I think you saw a relief rally yesterday on the mere hint or thought that you might... prompted, you know, some tit-for-tat responses from, you know, Europe and from Canada and Mexico that if this is the way he's going to go, then they're going to retaliate, you know, and that's just not a good situation. You know, you want free trade, um, you want fair trade, but but to, you know, impose tariffs that are likely going to lead to some inflation pressures that you don't want right now and upset uh, an equity market that the president certainly doesn't want uh, because you know, it's basically been the feather in his cap to this point as far as um, uh, how it's his benchmark of success. And protectionism is not good for the stock market. And if the stock market goes down on these tariffs, then, um, you know, then he'll have to he'll look, he'll be living with probably some bad decisions. But in any event, you know, yeah, you've seen the, the way that the stock market has reacted here um, when it first caught whiff of the idea that these tariffs were going to impose, you saw a big sell-off. And when you, you know, caught a whiff of the idea that they might not be imposed, you saw a nice rebound. And I think we're going to get whipsawed by these headlines here because it's still unclear if the president is really, you know, uh, on board with, you know, House Speaker Ryan's objections to imposing those tariffs. It doesn't sound like he is right now. So I think that, you know, anyone following the market right now just continues, um, needs to continue to be ready for some whipsaw action as it relates to the headlines uh, on trade. This has been a much more fun year or entertaining year. Um, it's got a couple elements of horror in it, but it's been a much more entertaining year, uh, 2018, than 2017. Is there anything that you're working on right now that um, we should know about? Any insights, any thoughts, any any peekaboos, so to speak? Yeah, well, that, you know, that question ties in nicely, I think, you know, Rob, with, with what I would be looking at, because one of the sources of entertainment, you know, this year has been the... Um, the January employment report, uh, which brought that you know larger than expected average hourly earnings increase, that kind of woke the market up to some you know inflation concerns and, and stirred up the treasury market, uh, and, and you know introduced talk of you know a Fed possibly being more aggressive than the market had thought it was going to be, uh, and lo and behold, you know we've got another employment report out. Uh, this one for February is coming out on Friday. And uh, and it's going to be definitely a market mover, just because it was, you know, 
market mover off the January data, uh, and everyone's waiting to see what's going on with that average hourly earnings increase and, and what how it relates to uh, to the trend in inflation. And, and if it's softer than expected and helps quiet some of those inflation concerns, uh, it could end up being a very good thing for the stock market, as it you know could also lead to um, uh, basically some um, some buying interest in longer dated treasuries that helps uh, yields there back down a bit. Thanks very much for joining us. As always, um, I start my day with page one. Thanks. And um, Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. You can find him at briefing.com. Um, briefing does a great job of showing you a political world, a investment world, and some of the economic calendars that go on with it. You can find Patrick O'Hare at briefing.com. There's so much at briefing.com, to be quite honest with you. I'm sure I'm only using like 10 to 15% of it accurately. Uh, there's live and play. There's the market summaries, the stock market updates. Um, there's economic calendars, upgrades, downgrades. There's the breaking news. There's the big picture. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. If you haven't played with it, consider playing with it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So we have, let's see, uh, down. Everything's, everything's kind of in the green, but it, it feels kind of like a, a non-committal day. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I promise if you listen to the show, I'm going to do everything I can to up your financial game, so to speak. Um, that's the goal, at least. It won't always play out like that, but that's the goal. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's that time of season. I don't know if it's that time of season, but March Madness uh, takes its toll on productivity. I hate March Madness. Why do I hate March Madness? Because, um, you know, I, I think it's fair to say people stop working. So... And I want people to work. I know you're saying, you're a mean man, Rob. I kind of am. So, uh, but it kind of kills me to see $6.3 billion in productivity lost in the month of March. So $10.4 billion wagered on the game, on the games. It's about twice as much as during the Super Bowl. So lots of gambling. Lots of gambling. Um, but anything else you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing more. Like I said, uh, McDonald's is taking its um, kind of fresh idea out there and trying to take it a little bit bigger. They've come up with quarter pounders that have fresh beef in them. I know when you think McDonald's, don't you think frozen patty? Fast food chain announced that its non-frozen beef is now in quarter pounders and signature crafted recipe sandwiches at 3,500 restaurants. They've got another 14,000 they're going to be rolling that out into. And again, this is to me, it's not going to have a significant impact on pricing because they're going to get all the meat on local markets. They don't think they're going to have a problem. Um, Where's the beef? Where is the beef? That's a good question. So for me, I, I think that the story here is, is, again, it's the millennials, and they're winning. You know, if they can get fresh beef to come to McDonald's, it's telling you that, you know, things have changed. 
because McDonald's would like nothing you know, better than to keep their frozen beef patties forever and ever. Um, cuts down on food waste, right? But Cena McDonald's has to walk a fine line right now because there are some people are like five guys and in and out burger changes the world. Um, they don't have freezers. All their food is fresh kind of thing. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You millennials and your freshness. McDonald's tried to walk that line between cheap and better quality over the last few years. Burger chain's been working to upgrade the quality of its menu through the years, and then sometimes they just seem to say, we give up and they go backwards. They've ditched antibiotics from its chicken nuggets. They've added fruit options. They've removed soda from the Happy Meal. McDonald's fresh beef launch has been in the works for more than four years. Uh, helped by a guy named Joe Jasper, who's been with McDonald's for 40 years. Um, again, trying to figure out the right you know, levers and such to get people interested in coming to their restaurants a little bit more often, right? <clears throat> so we're out, kind of out of earnings season right now. There's earnings season that happens four times in the year. As we move out of earnings season, we're going to start looking at, you know, how, oh, the summer doldrums are coming up. Wall Street kind of always has a way of handling everything. Quite interesting. And like, you get out of the summer doldrums, you're like, you know, when will Christmas shopping start this year? Will it start on September 1st or August 39th? And people go, there's no such thing as August 39th. You're trying to trick us. So fears over a trade war continue to recede right now as congressional Republicans challenge President Trump about it, uh, his proposals on tariffs on steel and aluminum. North Korea is reportedly open to discussing an end to its nuclear program. That's got to be kind of good news. Uh, influential, the influential financial sectors underperforming, keeping the broader markets gain in check, even though I saw some Democrats say that they're willing to deregulate some of the regulations that were put in place in the Obama era to make it tougher on banks to fail. S&P 500's 50-day simple moving averages in focus right now. Are we going to sell off or are we going to go above it? So um, I would say Wall Street's a little bit on the anxious side. So one of the things that upsets me the most are the commercials that say, don't lose money in Wall Street. If you take a look at Wall Street, it's up 7 out of 10 years. If you take a look at a history of it, it's, it's one of the best odds you have. You have better odds on Wall Street than you do of having you know, your luggage lost. So I'd be very cautious when you hear, you know, don't lose money in the Wall Street casino. It could take a lifetime to make up for your losses in the stock market. Unless your lifetime is five years, that's how long it took the market to make full recovery after the Great Recession. The guy's dead wrong. So, but people will sell fear in order to get their product in front of you. And one of the products that they oftentimes sell are annuities, which pay extremely high commissions, often 7% or higher of the total amount. So if a client was sold a $200,000 annuity, the salesperson might make $14,000 up front. That's not too shabby, huh? So sales variable annuities, which are at the worst of the worst, um, crashed about 22% in 2016. So um, I would be very, very cautious on people that sell you cars for commissions, on people that sell you insurance on commissions. Um, Sometimes the advice that they're being given isn't the advice that's proper for you. It's the advice of how to they sell product. Just be very cautious. Oh, hey, I got a big event coming up 
um, less than a week. Retirement Income Strategies Estate Planning Seminar, March 8th, 630 to 830. Crown Plaza Hotel, Foster City. That's this week. Holy mackerel. Foster City, Thursday, 630 to 830. You can go to Rob Black Show right now. Rob Black Show. And use code RADIO25 to get in free.